Hello and welcome to the Phantom Football Podcast. This is the flagship NFL podcast of Phantom Sports Industries. My name is Ronan Summers and I'm joined by Simon Short and Ben Parker. Guys, how are you? Excellent. Doing good, Ronan. So on today's episode, we will be going over who in the NFL is under pressure. It could be a coach that's on the hot seat, a player potentially losing their starting position, anyone we think might be under the microscope. So guys, let's go ahead and dive right into it. Ben, who is your first person under pressure or team? I have a lot. We won't have time to get through all of them. So let me just start with the most obvious one, right? That's right there in Dallas with Mike McCarthy, the head coach. I think anytime you're the Cowboys head coach, there's a lot of pressure, right? Um, Especially with uh, Sean Payton floating around out there, especially with uh, the team really not – I don't know how close they're even going to be to a Super Bowl this year. It was obviously disappointing when they exited the way they did at the time they did last year. So I think it's an obvious one, Mike McCarthy, uh, pretty high on the list. I think yeah, he stole I, everyone's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. You're welcome. Just, be- <laughs> just before hitting record, I said, I don't have too many people that are in danger of losing their job on this list, but I do have a couple. And Mike McCarthy is definitely one of them. Right. Uh, there's, there's too many up and coming teams, I think, uh, around the NFL. And luckily the NFC is pretty, is pretty weak still. So, I mean, if they still scrabble together a, a 10 and seven, season and win the division and go to the playoffs like it's probably fine but there could be a big screw up there and and you know who knows with with, yeah ownership there anything could happen and it's not really due to a lack of talent no you know I mean you look at I mean just about every position on the field they have you know above average talent so it's really interesting how it's the biggest market you know I, I saw something today uh the Cowboys are the first organization or team to reach $8 billion uh, being worth $8 billion. So like, I, I question what the real issue is in Dallas. I mean, Ben, you're the, you're the GM guru and everything, but it's gotta be just the over-involvement from Jerry Jones. I know the drafts have gone pretty well the last couple of years, which has been a change. Um, so whatever he's doing differently there, I don't know if like a grandson is now taking up more more of the scouting or something, but the drafts have gone pretty well, but it's just got to be that whenever the owners are too involved, man, and I know he's had this sustained success for a while and that's been really good, but I just feel like you can't get over that hump when, when you're not trusting true football professionals to, to make those decisions. Yeah, I, I could talk about the Cowboys all night, just real quick. The defense hasn't been consistent um, through, the, through the past two or three seasons. The offense at times has looked amazing, but at times has come up a little dry too. Um, obviously, the Ezekiel Elliott uh, injuries haven't been great. Um, Dak Prescott's good, but he's not the elite top-edge quarterback. So you know, there's a lot of things there that kind of keep them from being Super Bowl team, even though they're, you know, like you said, a lot of talent on that roster. Looking into your crystal ball, uh, do you guys see the Cowboys as a potential Super Bowl team within the next five years? Because I feel like five years ago, you'd potentially say, yeah. But here we are, still no Super Bowl appearance. I'm going to say yes, just because I think the the NFC is weaker. And every all the true contenders at the NFC, 
in theory could be looking at, especially over the next five years, going going over the hill a little bit. You've got you've got Tom Brady who eventually is going to stay retired. You've got Aaron Rodgers who eventually is going to you know do something completely weird, become an astronaut. I don't know. And, and you know with the Rams and sorry Ronan, but Matt Stafford's already got what elbow tendonitis or something. So like eventually, and those are really the top three teams. We've talked about it. How many teams? in the NFC are really on the rise right now. I, I wouldn't say that many. So I, I'd say yes. I mean, and this is the thing with the Cowboys. They're kind of always in contention a little bit. So in theory, yeah, in the next five years, I don't think they'll ever be bad. So I guess for the time being in the NFC, that means they have a chance. Yeah, well, I agree. That, I mean, but I'd, I'd rather talk about Aaron Rodgers. He's probably going to end up rowing a boat on Mars with Elon Musk at some point, right? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Somebody who appears to have no pressure at all, even though he should have a lot. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of which, uh, I, I'll get I into figured. my first thing here. That this yep. is professional podcasting right here, man. What a segue! <laughs> um, the only the only podcast that can turn rowing a boat on Mars into a into a true football segue. It's happening right here on Fan Football Podcast. Right here, <laughs> I have Aaron Rodgers on my list. Um, yep. And, and I've made this argument a lot. I did it last week on the show when we when we did our top five quarterbacks. Um, the guy has won two straight MVPs, right? The, he, he they just what set the NFL record for most wins of at least thir- or most seasons of at least thirteen wins in a row, right? Um, yeah. So there's sustained success both from a team standpoint and a player standpoint. Now we have two things going on. One, we have okay, enough is enough. Can you get back to the Super Bowl or not? And Similarly to last year, the NFC is still fairly wide open, so we would expect this to be the case. The defense in Green Bay has gotten better and better every single year. Um, They're leaning into what they've done for the most part offensively, which is work through Aaron Jones and the run game and then passing out to Jones. Um, But also, so there's the pressure from the team standpoint, team success, you know, put up or shut up. But also there's a little pressure of, okay, Devontae Adams is gone. You're, you're, you've always had like an all-pro level wide receiver on your team, essentially. What are you going to do without that? Are, are you for real? Can you do this without one of those players? Um, it's a little similar to when Brady left New England and it was, okay, Brady Belichick, who was reliant on who? What's going to happen next? I'm not saying Rodgers, his career and his legacy is reliant on Devontae Adams because obviously he had great success before that. But just in terms of, okay, this part of your career that we've seen the last couple of years has involved Devontae Adams. You don't have that to go to. You have to rely on other guys. You have to try to elevate other players. What are you going to do now? So so between the team success, the situation in the NFC, and also what do you look like passing your wide receivers? Aaron Rodgers is definitely on my list for being under some version of pressure. Again, are they going to cut him if he plays poorly? No. Are we going to say he's bad if they don't win the Super Bowl? No. Um, is he going to go be shot off in a rocket to Mars? Maybe, but I think that's of his own choosing. Um, <laughs> but I do think Aaron Rodgers is going to be under pressure this season. Yeah, I agree. I, I knew he would be on at least one of y'all's lists, if not both. Um, Ronan, what you got next? Either more Rodgers stuff or uh, somebody else? Just to add on top of the Rodgers stuff before we move <laughs> on, I would almost argue that he has less pressure than maybe in years prior because he's not expected to have that success with that skill position group you know everybody's almost kind of counting them out 
And I feel like maybe in Roger's situation, you know, how much attention he's gotten from the media, maybe that, you know, the, the gun to the, to his neck, you know, isn't really there anymore, at least for me. Yeah. I, I don't feel like he has to go to the Super Bowl this season just because that, that offense, the, the skill position is nothing like it used to be. And so I don't know, but to continue, uh, I've got Tua, Tua Tagovailoa. I also have Tua. Right. The Dolphins, they've got Mike Gusecki, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle. They've got weapons. They just brought in Teron Armstead, Mike McDaniel, who, you know, might be the, the saving grace in Miami, question mark, maybe. I don't, I don't think there's pressure on him yet, you know, rookie head coach. But Tua, absolutely. Uh, we've heard all offseason how Tyreek's been hyping him up, you know, talking about how he's the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. And, uh, you know, stats showed last year that that was, you know, maybe not necessarily completely the truth, but it wasn't, you know, he, he's not chucking the ball over everybody's head. He's hitting his targets. My biggest question with this Miami offense is how will these speedy wideouts be utilized? And obviously Tua has that uh, whatever you want to call it, that he can't throw the ball down the field. So it will be interesting to see how uh, how he uses his new pals. Yeah, totally agree. If you don't mind, Ronan, I'm going to pivot straight off of that to the Dolphins general manager, Chris Greer who's on my list of, of pressure, you know, they let go of the, the Dolphins head coach with a flurry of, you know, all kinds of questionable shenanigans going on. It was clear that, uh, and I'm sorry, that the coach's name is totally escaping me. So I'm having a complete brain blip. One of y'all can remind Brian me. Brian Flores. <laughs> yes, Brian Flores. I'm sorry. Thank you. Uh, you know, it was clear that Flores didn't agree with Greer and with the, with the, with the owner, Ross. But it's also clear that uh, Chris Greer knows how to play the political game of keep your job a whole heck of a lot better than, than Brian Flores does. Well, along with that now, you've staked everything on Tua. And so if Tua doesn't perform, then Chris Greer starts to look a little bad. And, you know, again, I don't know how much the owner there is truly interrupting Chris Greer's moves. I think it's probably a lot. But still, uh, Greer's been there for a while. The talent level hasn't been great. They've kind of bought a lot of the talent that's there now, if you will. And so, you know, along with Tua having a lot of pressure, there's no question about it. I think Chris Greer, the general manager, has a fair amount of pressure, too, on him. Maybe not to get fired this season, but certainly I, I think they're, I think everybody there in Miami is feeling it. Well, I have you, – you guys had Tua. You guys had uh, Greer. I have the Dolphins just in general. Um, right. And, and it's tough because the AFC is so tough and it's so competitive. And it's just how you look at this team and you say, how do they have any hope, right? How do they have any hope to really do something? Because you go through the teams, how many teams are going to miss the playoffs in the AFC? And it's, I mean, it's just, it's wild how loaded it is. But at the same time, you've got a quarterback that you drafted uh, fifth overall, fourth overall, and in year three, this is the year. This is the year that something is supposed to happen more than a heroic, you know, 
what was it, seven and one ended of the season when you started one and seven or something like that to, yep. to get into, even get into the playoffs. Um, right. He's got all the weapons. He's got the offensive mind head coach now. So, so this should be the best Tua's ever looked. How good will that be? Will be really interesting. Ronan, you brought up a really cool point, how they're going to use those two wide receivers. Both wide receivers, uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, that is, worked primarily out of the slot last year. Um, so what are they, are they going to line up Gasecki out, out wide? And are they going to run four, you know, four wide receivers, even though they have like seven running backs on the roster that all warrant snaps? Now, Mike McDaniel, in theory, is the guy that's going to figure it out. We haven't seen it yet, obviously. Um, but what is this going to look like? So for the Dolphins to prove with everything that they've gone through off the field and on the field for the last couple of seasons, this is going to be a really, really big year. It, yeah, Mike McDaniel definitely isn't going to be in any kind of trouble after this. But from GM, ownership, quarterback, and then a large portion of this roster, we could see some big changes because uh, the one thing you can't do is screw up with your first round quarterback. And and if Tua in this situation isn't it, uh, it's looking like they, they might have done that. So to piggyback off of the uh, you know, teams under pressure theme, I'm going to go with the Bengals. Now, they did just make a Super Bowl appearance. But now that's, that's going to become expected of Joe Burrow for the rest of his career. You know, we saw – this isn't necessarily the best comparison, but Aaron Rodgers, he won that Super Bowl very early on in his career, and he has been ridiculed for not being, uh, not being a champion since, right? I could see that potentially going along with Joe Burrow and just the Bengals in general. They're in a very tough division. A very, uh, very gritty division, as Simon knows. Uh, the the Steelers' defense is their defense with Pickett just getting drafted. He's been looking great in the preseason. So, I mean, they have a future. The Ravens, we'll get to them, I'm sure, later. They have a future. The Browns, the next 11 games are a little bit murky, but they've, they've got the something. Next, yeah, something, all right. So, the Bengals are really going to have to keep it up uh, as an organization that goes GM, head coach, players. They're going to have to spend money and they did a little bit better of a job at it uh, this off season. But what are your guys' thoughts on the Bengals this season? I feel like they're, they're all right. But I don't know. So I, I thought about the Bengals and I ultimately ended up keeping them off of my list because I think, I think they're riding, riding the gravy train right now. Um, I think they're putting pressure on themselves. I think Joe Burrow just had a quote that was, you know, the Bills and the Chargers are the only teams in the AFC we're worried about or something like that. Um, so I think they're putting that pressure on themselves, which is good. You like to see it. But I think in terms of external pressure right what the league what fans what media are thinking you know this AFC is tough this AFC is loaded the Bengals getting there was a surprise last year they lose the Super Bowl that year after the Super Bowl loss is always tough I don't know how many people from the outside 
are really saying, man, if the Bengals don't get back there this year, that's a huge disappointment. While in a, the grand scheme of like team building, yeah, obviously, you know, Joe Burrow's on his rookie deal, Jamar Chase on his rookie deal. You got to start paying these other wide receivers soon. Um, yeah, and all of that, it's like there should be a little bit of uh, a little bit of internal pressure, like get up and do it now. But I think in terms of the pressure uh, guys like us say they have on them, it's probably fairly minimal. And, and I think the most important thing, that pressure from ownership, um, these guys are just happy to be sitting back, man. They're selling jerseys, they're selling tickets. They're not too worried. They're, they're, they're kind of just like, you know, th- that was great. That was awesome. Hey, if we do it again, awesome. If not, yeah, whatever. We, we've got someone that, that people are going to be a fan of for, for a really long time and, and Burrow and Jason and all those guys. Ronan, I, I didn't consider the Bengals at all. I looked at them and then I just passed on them. But your point about Burrow is well taken. It's the curse of greatness, right? Aaron Rodgers wins one early in his career, hasn't been back in over a decade, and people are talking about him all the time as being, I don't know, I don't failure's not the right word, but a disappointment, right? Peyton Manning went for years without winning one, and everybody talked about him, you know, just not being able to get it done. You know, you can only only one team, one quarterback can win a Super Bowl each year, and there's several guys who are good enough to do it. So even if they all took turns until everybody got one, <laughs> you know, it, it, it is the curse of greatness. So I said I didn't have the Bengals in general as a team on my list, but I do have something else Bengals related. I have the Bengals offensive line specifically. Um, So mark it down. This is minute 19 of the pod and I got offensive line in here. But I think everybody is looking at what the Bengals did this offseason after the year they had last year. And everybody's going to want the Bengals offensive line to be what the Chiefs did with their offensive line for last season. They want all those new pieces to come in, gel together right away and have an all pro, a pro bowler, uh, a offensive rookie of the year type of candidate just in an offensive line. And, and I don't think that's that's fair to expect when you've got three guys who are coming from three different teams all trying to join in when the chiefs overhaul their offensive line, you know, they bring in one veteran, they bring in one guy who made an all pro team and then they brought in two rookies, right? So they had a mix and match of some vets and some young guys who were new and malleable and ready to change, but bring to bring in Ted Karras, Alex Kaplan, Lyle Collins, and just say, we're a top 10 offensive line now. I think that's I think that's unfair to those guys because really you just need this offensive line to be average. If you do that after what they had last year, they're in a great spot. But I think what we're going to want is them to look like the Chiefs line from last year, and I don't think that's going to happen. And I think the first time Burrow gets sacked, everybody's going to go up in arms and say, I thought we fixed this. What, what did we do? What's wrong with these guys? Yeah, that offensive line is going to have to keep Burrow upright. And not just for this season, but for the next decade. So I, I don't know if they necessarily figured it completely out, but I, I do know that they made major upgrades. But I, I think that's a fair evaluation. Yeah, I totally agree. Ronan, who's your next uh, team that's our player that's under pressure? So I'm going to go with... Carson Wentz. Now, you probably could have made this argument last year. Uh, I think 
the majority of people thought that last year would be his kind of last ditch effort at, at a starting position, but he didn't play bad enough to not be a starter. He just played bad enough to be traded. <laughs> so <laughs> it traded and replaced. Right. So, and whenever you look at it, you know, his touchdown interception ratio wasn't necessarily the worst, but obviously that's not, you know, what you need to look for, you know, whenever you, just look at whether the dude can play or not, or whether the dude can win you a game or not. Uh, uh, he's kind of got that Brett Favre mentality where he's uh, he's just willing to chuck it. And uh, maybe like a little bit of a Andrew Luck in him, just trying to make every play. Okay, hang on. Hang well, on. hold on. Hang on. We'll, we'll, we'll I almost the, we'll let you get it. away with Brett Favre, which already <laughs> hurt Andrew Luck soul. was where you drew the line, though? <laughs> you can't use both. You can't use both. I was gonna let you get away with one name that's a Hall of Famer. Okay, and... well, who's who's a person that threw the ball fairly well? You think Carson Wentz bit... throws the ball fairly well? I don't think fairly, he throws the ball fairly, fairly well. Maybe with his right hand, but he throws with the wrong hand half the time because he doesn't know what else to do. <laughs> uh, so I'll just say <laughs> he. You, you say he played well enough to still be a starter. I don't agree with that. I don't think so. I okay. think the commander Why? should have easily called up Jimmy Garoppolo, called up the 49ers and taking Jimmy Absolutely. Garoppolo instead. And Carson Wentz should be the odd guy out, not Garoppolo. Um, the reason Wentz, from a statistical standpoint, didn't, and I know when Robertson Viar listens to this, he's going to be really mad at me. Sorry, Robertson. Had, you know, shout out to you. Um, the reason when statistically doesn't look that bad from last season is because by week seven or eight, they just stopped letting him throw the ball. That's when Jonathan Taylor really took off. That's when Jonathan Taylor became the leading toucher of the football last year, the leading uh, touchdown scorer last year, the leading yards gained player last year. Because at some point the Colts said, we just can't let Carson Wentz make these decisions. Um, but all that is to say, I do agree with you. He's under a lot of pressure. Although maybe he's not because maybe he's the guy that's going to just keep getting jobs somehow. And so for him, it's like, dude, I did what I did the last two seasons. I'm still starting quarterback, making all this money. I'll be whatever, man. I can do whatever. I'll be all right. I think the only justification you can have for Wentz last year, and it's, it's not really a justification, but it, it was the Colts skill position. Uh, aside from Michael Pittman, there wasn't much there, you know, an aging T.Y. Hilton, you know, I love T.Y., but that's not necessarily going to win you a Super Bowl. And I think, yeah, obviously, the offensive line is very good. So, you know, if he's running for his life behind that offensive line, there's probably not one that he won't. Uh, I, I think that's his, his decision is to run for his life and make the play. But I I think in Washington, he has a little bit better of a, a setup, uh, skill position-wise at least. Uh, the defense might be able to help him out a little bit as well. I guess, I guess I'm a little bit higher on uh, Carson Wentz than you are. A lot higher, actually. You, yeah, you, I mean, I think a lot of people are. Um, let me – oh, gosh. So throw out – just – I'm doing this on the fly – Who's a quarterback that you would say is around the realm of Carson Wentz? Right now? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Don't say Andrew Luck. 
Well, see, that's the thing. I was going to say, like, Jared Goff. Yikes. I mean, I think that's accurate. But that's... Yeah. I, by no means do I think he's a top 10 quarterback Let's or anything, see. but but I think he can he can win you a game or two. I'm trying to look at some of these these advanced stats and really see. I mean, last year his completed air yards per completion was 5.9 yards. So so the guy was. He, I mean, this might again chicken or egg uh, going into where his targets going, but they're not letting him. They weren't letting him throw the ball that far. So that's why it's kind of like the you know, he's inaccurate, but he's, you know, pushing the ball downfield. He's not really doing that anymore, which is tough. Um, but I mean, to that point, you know, like I said, the skill position group wasn't – the wide receiver court wasn't necessarily all that. So, you know, that, that could play at least a little bit into it. That's true. I'll give you that. The last uh, – from week 13 on last year, here's our pass attempts uh, totals. 22, 12, 28, 27, 29. So going into a playoff competition, and again, we're just arguing about Carson Wentz. I don't know why we, he's under pressure. Yeah, he's he's in a bad situation. He's on his third team in three years. It's it's a tough call for him. Um, can I roll this into my next one? Because this, this is definitely related. So similarly to the Tua conversation and the Dolphins, um, at least Tua is young and, and you're trying to mold him into something. I have the commanders and Ron Rivera in here just in general because you have to be under pressure if you go out and you bring in Carson once and, and you say he's got to be the quarterback, um, they've got a lot riding on this, both from a financial standpoint, the draft capital they used to trade for him. Not, it wasn't a ton, but still they used draft capital on him. Um, in a, again, a down NFC in a two years removed from, from a playoff berth when we thought they were going to be on the rise. They had it down here last year with some injuries. Um, and really, they have a lot riding on what Carson Wentz can do for them. And that's a scary place to be. So I have the commanders and Ron Rivera here, because I think, unfortunately, Ron Rivera is probably one of those coaches that could be on the hot seat this year. Ben, what do you got? Who's your next? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in a totally different direction here with names that probably don't make a lot of people's lists. But I, I think for different reasons, two guys, same boat. Uh, Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll. I don't think either one of those guys is going anywhere anytime soon. You know, obviously Belichick can coach anywhere he wants for as long as he wants. And and I think Pete Carroll isn't quite got that leash. But, yeah, I think Carroll. But both of these guys have, have been in dominant positions, and they're well past that. And, and the whispers start to get around that, well, maybe Belichick could only win with Brady. And, you know, maybe Pete Carroll could only win when he's got a dominant defense with an MVP-level quarterback. And so – I think both of those guys, even though they would never admit it and never say it, I think they both feel pressure, even if even with all they've accomplished, even as at, at their advanced ages, I do think they feel pressure, the pressure to show that they can, even if they don't win a Super Bowl, that they can take a team, take a roster, build it up, get it back to the playoffs, make it something worth uh, worth worrying about for other playoff teams. So I think they feel that pressure there. I think it's there for both of them. Uh, even though I don't really feel like, uh, you know, obviously Belichick's not going anywhere, and, and I don't, I don't think Carroll's going anywhere anytime soon. But uh, I do think they both feel that. That's really interesting. I, I contemplated throwing uh, Belichick on my list. I was like, nah, pressure Belichick, never that. But <laughs> yeah, I, he, I do agree with you. 
he's letting uh, Matt Patricia be his offensive coordinator. I don't think he feels any pressure at all about anything. I think he's all right. Um, the Pete Carroll one I find really interesting, and this is one of those examples of it might not be the wins and losses we're looking for and putting pressure on, but there are certain things I want to see from a from Pete Carroll and a Russell Wilson-less Seahawks team, right? I want to see uh, what they do from a stylistic standpoint on offense. Are they going to continue being a ground and pound team or are they actually now going to open it up offensively with a pass game considering they drafted to pass protecting tackles in the draft? I want to see, can Pete Carroll get back to his roots and have some fun defensive back play this year. I want to see stuff like that. So even if it's only like, yeah, five or six wins, can they just be a fun team that seems to be listening to his coaching throughout? I think that's a good one. You know, interestingly enough, uh, I have two NFC West coaches on my list and neither of them are named Pete Carroll. I've got Kyle Shanahan on my list because it's not, it has, hasn't been a question of if Trey Lance is going to work. It's been a question of when. And now we're here. And it's going to have to work. Because if it doesn't, what's next? Does anybody know? They still got their, their starting quarterback from the NFC Championship on their roster that they're actively trying to shop. While still having, well, while starting Trey Lance. I'm not even going to put the pressure on Trey Lance. I'm putting it on Kyle Shanahan because with that offensive, with that scheme, you plug in Trey Lance and his skill set. He's supposed to work, correct? Yeah. So, and the the whole uh, the Mac Jones or Trey Lance debacle on draft day and leading up to draft day, uh, whenever that class, that great class, was in. It will be very interesting to see how uh, Kyle Shanahan uses uh, Trey Lance. And the second NFC West coach I have is Sean McVay. Ooh. He was like offered that. a lot of money this offseason, and he chose to come back to coach off of a winning after winning a Super Bowl. That comes with a lot of pressure. Because if he can't pull through, if it, let's say he misses the playoffs this year. How good is that $100 million deal to go commentate game sound after not making the playoffs, right? And he's clearly a guy that wants to coach, and he wants to coach for at least a little bit longer. Now, he did just sign this you know, new deal that hasn't been disclosed because they're waiting for Les Snead uh, to kind of figure his whole contract out. But, uh, yeah, I I've got those that pair of uh, NFC West head coaches on my list. What do you guys think about that? I really like the Kyle Shanahan one. He was on my list. Yeah, this is show us why Trey Lance was the guy. And I think it's a little bit of, all right, man, we, we've had a lot of fun. We've enjoyed what you've done with Jimmy Garoppolo. That's been nice. But what we saw from Sean McVay was, okay, he was dealt Jared Goff, and he took him to a Super Bowl. He did some nice things. But then he got his quarterback that he wanted. He won a Super Bowl. Kyle, it's your turn now, you know. You, you were dealt Jimmy Garoppolo. You did some cool stuff with him. You got further than people expected. Um, I know you've had the injuries that you've dealt with as well, but all that's behind you. I'm done, you know, kind of waiting and seeing what's going to happen this year to show it. Um, Sean McVay, if he's feeling the pressure, 
It's from the new the the new wife of his, uh, which fantastic wedding photos. If you guys saw any of those, that was amazing. But because she was like, I'm sorry, you turned down how much money to n- not watch film the way you watch it and be and be stressed out? I could have been walking into a new home where this Ben's cracking up. Ben knows what I'm talking about. We we say this as married men here. Um, if I could take a job that was a quarter of the amount of stress and twice as much pay, a thirty percent more pay, and I didn't take it, I better go win a Super Bowl. Otherwise, I'm I'm in trouble. I'm getting dirty looks at home. So I think I think you're right there. But I think the pressure's uh, coming at home for for Sean McVay there. That's interesting. My beautiful, lovely wife. If I turned down a job for twenty, thirty, a hundred percent more money. She wouldn't care how many more Super Bowls I won. Uh, I'd better take that <laughs> job. Or I probably won't live for another year to see my next job opportunity. <laughs> that, that's just not any room for a discussion there. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> All right. I'm going to toss out another NFC team here while we're here. And, and Ronan, I, think, I know it's a team you like from our previous podcast, right? And it's the Arizona Cardinals um, for obvious reasons. So much goes on in the offseason. Literally everybody's talking about you and for all the wrong reasons. Um, add that to the flame out from last year. They, they were so good for the first 10 or 11 games last year. They were a lot of people's Super Bowl favorite at one point. It wasn't the Rams. It was the Cardinals. You know, and then you had the flame out. So I, I, think, I think everybody there in Arizona feels that pressure. And by the way, there's always pressure in the NFL. But I think Arizona feels more than some teams with Steve Kime, the GM. He's been there a while now. Cliff Kingsbury, I think he feels it, and I know Kyler Murray feels it. So uh, that's one team right there that I think feels a little, maybe a little bit more pressure than some other NFC teams for all the obvious reasons. I have Kyler Murray. I have the Cardinals in general like you, Ben, and I have Kyler Murray specifically just because, and again, fair or not fair, it's probably not fair in his case. He plays better than he gets talked about, unfortunately. Um, But just with the contract, the extension, the drama, the the photos, and then the stipulations in the contract. He's going to be under pressure this year. He, like some of these other guys, he doesn't have to go win a Super Bowl to prove us wrong. But if he has a bad year this year, then uh, he's going to hear about it. Yeah, I think the Cardinals. You know that flame out was due in large part to DeAndre Hopkins. Right. You know, getting hurt. Uh, you know, obviously he won't be there for the first six games this season, but that's almost, I feel like that's almost a blessing in disguise because if they can get rolling or at least, you know, above 500 without him, and then he joins that offense and then he's able to put up the games that everybody knows he can put up. I think that offense can uh, get pretty lethal if they can stay healthy and everybody plays the entire season. Yeah, points well taken. Ronan, who's your next, man? Now, this is probably my last one. Uh, I'm running out of uh, my options on the pool. You guys have been uh, slowly picking them away. (laughs) I'm going to go with the Ravens. I think the Ravens have quite a bit of pressure, and uh, that's mainly thanks to uh, Lamar wanting a fully guaranteed deal. Uh, He just watched his rival, the Browns, pay a quarterback who was going under some scrutiny, uh, some uh, obvious issues. 
and he's not even going to play the first 11 games this season. Now, whenever you look at what Lamar Jackson has done for the city of Baltimore and how many fans he's been able to bring to the stadium and to training camp and how many jerseys he's been able to sell, it should be a pretty done deal. Here you go. Here's your money. Thanks for coming. See you in six years whenever you want a new one, right? That hasn't really been the case. Now, that might be somewhat due to Lamar representing himself in contract negotiations, which can always get a little bit dicey because, you know, typically the agent is there to uh, kind of filter what the team says and kind of, you know, put it on a plate per se. Uh, I think if the Ravens can't get this deal done, it's, it's going to have some repercussions. Uh, I have a really hard time seeing Baltimore let Lamar walk, but if they do, it would probably be one of their biggest mistakes in their young franchise's history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had Lamar Jackson on my list as well, uh, not Baltimore specifically, but from Lamar, if he goes into the season without his big deal, he's under pressure to A, perform, and B, not get hurt. If he goes into the season with the big deal, which may or may not be fully guaranteed, most NFL contracts are not, then he's got a ton of eyes looking at him for those reasons. Uh, Simon, how did you did you have him on your list too? So I was with Ronan. I had the Ravens as a franchise. I didn't have Lamar. I think other than the injury factor, which let's be honest, hangs over every single player, every single play, L- Lamar is going to be in good shape because now – Rona mentioned it. They're not just going to let him walk away, which I, I always, I, I tend to forget in the moment sometimes, especially in the summer when NBA free agency is going on, because we're going to get to the end of these negotiations and we're going to know if Lamar doesn't get a contract extension, they're just going to franchise tag him next year anyway. So it doesn't really matter. But could you imagine Lamar Jackson walking into the open market free agency? I mean, that would just be nuts. But yeah, it is the Ravens because they have. For, for all the little smart things they've done to have sustained success, they haven't really done the big things in the last couple of years to really truly build around Lamar. Instead, they've just kind of taken what he already does and, and said, let's do this instead of trying to, you know, grow his passing game with like real receivers and true uh, offensive linemen that they can really build around. Right. And and they've tried and, and failed in some aspects of that, but if, if they go into this season and they just kind of have to play the franchise tag game for the next year or two with them, then you're really just looking at them like, where, what direction are you guys going in, right? What's the plan here? Are you just going to keep repeating this? Talk about the Bengals earlier. Like, are you just satisfied with 10 to 12 wins and like maybe doing something, but maybe not? Or do you want to actually take the next step? So that was where I was at on the Ravens. Um, I want to bring up another team that has had some real AFC and NFL uh, success over the years. And I, I think we're going to, I'm interested to see what you guys have to say. I have the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes on this list. Um, we talked about it a little bit last week with, with Patrick Mahomes, right? He was supposed to be the next Tom Brady, all this stuff. Hey, we thought the Chiefs were the Warriors and they were going to win two or three Super Bowls in a row. And then the thing that beat them last year was that they can't get the big play whenever they want. And then Patrick Mahomes even admitted his lack of patience for 
hey, just take what the defense is giving me. Take what it's giving me the whole way, the whole way, the whole way. AFC championship game, he did in the first half. Second half, got impatient, wanted to go for it. They end up losing the game. I think they're under pressure to show that they can play a different way, that they can adapt and change and still be successful. Doesn't mean they have to win a Super Bowl, although I think they're one of the teams this year that is kind of Super Bowl or bust. But I have to be able to see that they can adapt and play in a new way. And I think having the new receivers helps them with that. Um, I, I think they're going to be forced into that a little bit, but can they actually do it and will they be committed to it is a big thing for me this year. Ben, I'll let you go ahead and chime in since you are the uh, the Chiefs guy. Yeah, Simon made some great points there. I had uh, Brett Veach on my list, the general manager for the Chiefs, and the reason why was not too many teams get a quarterback as good as Mahomes on a rookie contract, and they had him that way not for the first year but for the next three seasons. They did a lot of good with it, but, boy, they were so close to winning two more Super Bowls. And instead, you walk away with one. And now the rookie contract is gone, and now you're looking at cap hits of 35 40 45 $50 million a season. And it's a lot harder now. It's not impossible, but it's just harder now. You have more money tied up in one spot, and you have to make up for it somewhere else in the roster. So I'm sure Brett Beach isn't going anywhere. It was really, I think, his idea to draft Mahomes in the first place so you know I think Beach has a lifetime contract but in terms of legacy and your peers looking at you and fans looking at you for I'll put it this way quote unquote only winning one Super Bowl with Mahomes on a rookie contract I I think they feel that you know when they go home at night and think about it I do think they feel that one name that I do want to oh go ahead nope you got it one name that I do want to throw out there uh, that just came to me is Matt Rule. Uh, I know it's a little bit of a change of pace, but, uh, you know, whenever you you trade for a uh, first-round pick quarterback last year and he doesn't work out, and then you trade for another one this year, he might not work out. At some point, you kind of got to point to the head coach and be like, hey, maybe it's, maybe it's this guy, you know, because – you can say what you want about Darnold and Mayfield. They're, they were drafted in the first round. They have talent, you know. Now it might be like Carson Wentz, Jared Goff talent, where you know it's it's just kind of like a, it'll win you a couple of games. You know, as long as they don't make a mistake, you'll probably be okay. But you know, there's that chance that they'll make three mistakes and three drives. Yeah, Matt Rule was on my list as well. I hadn't got to him yet, but totally agree. Um, the pressure's on in Carolina. It was on before last season, to be honest. Um, it's piled on now. I don't, I don't think there's any question he's on the hot seat. I think, given time, he could do very well with X's and O's in the, in the league. But the, the roster hasn't been good enough, and the quarterbacks they brought in haven't been good enough. Uh, it's, it's not a good combination. New coach with quarterbacks who are up and down, I'll put it that way, and with a roster that just has too many holes. Year three, I think it is for him. He's no question. He's on the hot seat. Simon, Ronan, you mentioned they brought in a couple quarterbacks with some talent. Would you say that talent is about like Tom Brady and Joe Montana level talent? Or all right, all right. 
listen, I uh, wasn't talking talent. I was talking mentality. You know, he's got a little bit of Andrew Luck in him. He he'll go run after the defender after he throws the pick to him. That that sort of deal. Not and he has the, a lot uh, of opportunities to do that. MVP. um okay but i agree with you guys completely yeah matt rule is the quintessential like he's got he's got real pressure on him right we we said this isn't necessarily who has the most pressure on him but matt rule is is like where this podcast episode comes from right who who Mm -hmm. is the guy that's literally fighting for his job that could be gone by week six if they don't if they don't look great And, and tied to him i also have uh baker mayfield on this list um I think Baker's got a better chance of being in the NFL next year than Matt Rule might not be as a starting quarterback. Unfortunately, I think Baker, I think he is good enough. I think he's a, a, an average middle of the road quarterback, but just played through so many injuries last year that it obviously took his play down uh, way further than, than it's been in the last couple of seasons, but having the chip on his shoulder, the Browns moving on from him, um, having to come to Carolina, which is the quarterback wasteland for the last couple of seasons, he's playing for a job. He's playing to show I'm still a starter. I'm still a franchise type quarterback. Um, so I think those two are tied together. I think Baker's got a better chance of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel after the season. But I think both guys in Carolina are under some pressure this season for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to toss in another head coach. I have I have three head coaches and one quarterback left on my list. We don't have to go through them all, but that's that's what I've got. I've got Todd Bowles on the list. You you come into a situation that's already won a lot. Tom Brady's your quarterback. Um, there's a lot of pressure there to win and win now right away. Todd Bowles has had a job as a head coach before with the Jets. It didn't go particularly well. He was let go. And then you have the fact that he's an African-American head coach. And, and right or wrong, it brings more pressure and more eyes. So I, I think there's a lot of things there that Todd Bowles is dealing with. I think he'll be a good head coach, but unfortunately for him, he walks into a situation where the expectations are all the way at the top. You know, um, if you have Tom Brady at quarterback and you have a pretty good roster and they do, the expectations are high, fair or not. And I, I don't know if that's fair, but that's, that's a fact for Todd Bowles. That's a really, really good point. I had the Bucks in general. Um, I did think about bowls specifically, and I think you hit on it perfectly where I don't think he should have pressure on him because he's a very different coach than Bruce Arians. And right. I think there's there's enough big names there that he shouldn't be the guy we'd go to if there is a problem, right, between Brady and Leftwich and, and all the big name players they have, and especially some older guys. And I think it would be very normal if this team wasn't a Super Bowl contender wasn't in the Super Bowl or the even NFC championship game this year but I think you're right unfairly I think it would go on uh Todd Bowles so I think that's a I think that's a fair point there the Bucks I had just in general because yeah I think this could be the year that there is a bit of a downturn we maybe saw the beginning of that last season then Tom Brady thinks about retiring then he leaves practice training camp for for a week or so um, I think there's a lot of signs just pointed at, oh, this might not look good. And with Brady's age and just where the coaching changes at, I think everybody's going to be wondering what they're doing this year. Yeah, you know how it works. I, I, I think of the, the situation in New Orleans, really. Um, 
you know, after Brady's gone, who's the quarterback? <laughs> it's not going to be pretty. And all of a sudden, that roster and situation that looked great is now going to be not great. And if, if a couple of guys get old and if a couple of guys leave due to free agency, then you have a situation for Todd Bowles that, that, is, that is really bad, actually. <laughs> so it, it's, I, it, it's not the best situation for him, but, you know, you have to take the opportunities that are given sometimes. I have one last big one here, and then um, I can I can throw my honorable mentions at the end. Um, but my last big one is Russell Wilson and the Broncos. And I actually have a third one that goes along with that. It's the Denver wide receivers, right? So I'll start with them because that's been my big shtick with this whole move. We've heard for two straight seasons, you know, Oh, these Denver wide receivers, they have so much talent here. There's so much here. There's so much here. All they need is a quarterback. All they need is a quarterback. No more excuses now, man. It's not Teddy Bridgewater. It's not Drew Locke. Um, you're going to have to show it now, right? So you've got Russell Wilson here. And I think uh, it was a Cortland Sutton who had an interview after one of, pra- one of the practices recently and said, like, wow, he's pulling us aside and telling us things that we never knew, that we never thought of, that we never worked on before, telling us where on the 10-yard line that he wants us to break our route, where on the zero we should be putting our left foot as we break out of this route, stuff like that. And if, you know, they've, they've always kind of been this, the House of the Dragon just came out this week. I don't know if anybody's up on Game of Thrones and all, but like the prince that was promised, right? One of these guys is going to break out. And and if they don't do it this year with Wilson being in, I think that's a big deal. I think that's a big knock on them. I think the Broncos have a lot riding on this happening. Hey, you know, we've been solid every year, no matter who the quarterback's been. Now we're bringing in Russell Wilson. We're a Super Bowl contender. And I think for Russell, he's like, hey, I'm in this new place. I'm doing this new thing. Although it's not really that new because it might end up being the same situation he was in in Seattle, actually. Um, so I think that whole organization and, and from, from own, new ownership down is going to be feeling the pressure of, of these expectations. Maybe not it, the pressure in the sense that they've been trying for so long and failing, but I think there's high expectations and, a, again, a loaded AFC, so I think they're all going to be feeling it. Totally agree. And uh, by the way, all these names that we've mentioned have made a lot of money in their careers and will continue to do it someplace. But it's a competition. Not all of them are going to come out as winners this year or maybe never again in their career. Some of them are going to kind of flatline out. Others, somebody else will get to raise a trophy and, you know, brag about an all-pro. So uh, just to show what we're talking about here, let me call it my last three names so we can put a wrap on it and, and we can get to Simon, your last. Uh, I've got Frank Reich, head coach of the Colts. I love Frank Reich. I don't think he should go anywhere ever. Um but there's no question about it coming off of the bitter loss last year to the Jaguars in the season, the complete 28 to three, no show. He's going to be feeling some pressure. There's no question about it. Um, odd, odd to put a second year head coach in this class, but I'm putting Brandon Staley there for two reasons. Number one, you have Justin Herbert and a good roster and you don't make the playoffs. And number two, he does a lot of unorthodox things that bring a lot of eyeballs, a lot of question marks. So, uh, he doesn't have to win a Super Bowl this year, but I think he does need to get into the playoffs and show that they are serious, legit threats, um, at least. And then last of all for me, Zach Wilson, the quarterback for the Jets, whom a lot of people have given up on. I, I do think he's feeling pressure to be drafted that high up, be in a city like New York. 
Uh, so those are my last three names right there. You hit uh, all all things that were on my list. I had right for the same reasons, right? We've seen him go quarterback to quarterback. This is the best quarterback he's had in terms of health and ready to play and ready to go. Um, Staley, everything you said, exactly right. Along with Zach Wilson, I just put all the second-year quarterbacks, and I'm including Trey Lance and even Jalen Hurts in that. I know Hurts technically going his third year, but his second year as a starter. Just because yep. this is the year for all these quarterbacks that we can really see, that we tend to see, do you have it or not? So I have all those guys in this field. Um, last head coach I had, Josh McDaniels. Uh, I know first year with the Raiders, but obviously he's had – unsuccessful stints as a head coach a couple times kind of a couple times um issues with his quarterback trying to trade his quarterback very early uh all and then not taking the job that he did take wonder how that went with paperwork and hr and whatnot um (laughs) so just a lot of stuff so i think he's going to be under pressure to at least maybe not even so much have you know 10 wins and make the playoffs but like don't have any drama just like go be a head coach um second year quarterbacks uh i have i have two obscure ones here uh i have the packers wide receivers and that's just going to be pressure from aaron Rodgers to not screw up um (laughs) i have shaq mason uh the offensive lineman for the buccaneers (laughs) because i thought he was a little bit on the uh downswing last season and then he's like, oh, man, I'm getting traded. I'm going to Tampa. I'm going to be on that offensive line. I'm going to chill with Tom. It's going to be great. And then Ryan Jensen gets hurt. And then even Aaron Stinney on the other side gets hurt. And now Shaq Mason is in charge of keeping the inside pressure away from Brady. That's probably more than he signed up for. So, you know, pressure's on him, unfortunately. Um, and then I just have the Bears. And maybe they don't actually have pressure because we all think they're going to be bad. but they're just screwing this whole thing up with Justin Fields. So I'm maybe nobody else is I'm putting the pressure on you, Chicago. Don't screw up Justin Fields or at least trade him somewhere where, uh, you know, somebody, maybe a head coach in Pittsburgh named Mike Tomlin will take care of him. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. Uh, Yeah. That's perfect. Send Justin Fields before he gets beaten to death this year by all NFL defenses. Um, (laughs) Send him somewhere where they'll actually take care of him, please. Please. He'll get he'll get Pete up in Pittsburgh. It's it's a very bad offensive line right now in Pittsburgh. The two preseason games have not been kind of my offensive line hard. But you know what? We'll let him sit behind Mitch Trubisky. It's fine. Yeah, there you go. We'll let Trubisky yeah. get beat up. We'll draft some offensive yes. linemen. Let Trubisky be... take the beating so Fields could be ready for next year. He's escaped really well. He's had like three or four legitimate escapes with hands on him in two preseason games. So he'll be all right. He's a tough kid. After after about three or four games of that, man, your legs are just dead. Yeah, <laughs> you no, can dude. only run so far. He's going to be toast. He's going to be toast. <laughs> we did it. That's it. We did. All right, Time guys. Time for the offensive line. Yes, sir. So I think that'll, uh, that'll do it, yeah? That's it, man. That's I it. Think we got it. Well, thank you so much if you've gotten this far. You can send us questions or comments through email at phantomfootballpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at phantomfootball. You guys have a good one. Goodbye, everyone.